there's, there's something about the intention and the purpose filled part of each type that is really I think where the power lies in each type it's if you mm-hmm. if you can view the worst parts about yourself of what could be yourself mm, yeah and still be able to stand strong with knowing who you are and what you're capable of and what you can and can't handle then I think that that is where the strength comes from from each type and mm-hmm. that's kind of my answer to like like why do I care about my Enneagram type You're listening to Rebel Heart Radio, hosted by nutritional therapist Cassie Knavel and professional esthetician and makeup artist Genevieve Blair. A lifestyle podcast about clean living, making money, and badass people that inspire us endlessly. We created this podcast to walk through the tough moments of life with you, inspire you to live more intentionally, and frankly, because we like to talk. Thanks for joining us today. Make sure to catch our weekly episode and subscribe to us anywhere you listen to podcasts. If you have iTunes, we would be forever grateful for your review on our podcast. Let's get to our latest episode. The materials and content within this podcast are for general information and educational purposes only and are not to be considered a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Okay, we left off last week with the getting into talking about the Atlas Project from Sleeping at Last um, in regards to our Enneagram journey. And this uh, project has been really impactful for me to dive into it significantly deeper and learn more about my type. And I've worked really hard to learn about my close friends and family too. And I honestly, when I heard my eight song... I have never felt more understood in my entire life. And I can tell you, I don't know if I've ever felt understood. Yeah. And it was so comforting learning about all this. It was so comforting to know that I'm not the only one who is this way. And then also giving some life into why I've made certain decisions since that childhood wound happened based on that experience and really giving a lot of clarity to some life events for me that I I just can't, I just can't even it's been incredible so um, I've listened to Genevieve's two song in detail many many times so we'll <laughs> we'll link to those for you so you can check it out um, and we're gonna we're gonna work through some of that here in a second but I want Jen to talk about her Enneagram type first and tell you a little bit about like the characteristics and tell us more about your journey to learn your Enneagram type and really come into who you are as a two, two wing three. Yeah. So I don't even think we talked about the wings, like real, real quick. If you're like, I'm a two and my wing can either be the neighboring number. So it's like, I can take on some characteristics of so it's my wing. So I can take on some characteristics of the number next to me. So I'm a two with a wing three. So I take on a lot of three characteristics. Like I like I like having goals. I like driving towards things. Like it's, I like achieving things, that sort of a thing. So I'm a, I'm a two wing three. And my, my process of understanding my two-ness was a rather non-straight road. Like I always knew I was two. Like from the second we started reading about all the types, I, I, I didn't even need to take the test. I did, but 
I didn't need to. I knew I was to. Um, I've always had a really hard time with thinking about myself, mm-hmm. <laughs> which um, you'd think wouldn't be a problem, but it's a really big problem. Like, <laughs> it's a really big problem because there's just so many things that you can't do for other people because you're not taking care of yourself and it's it's been an interesting journey because at first I was like yeah I'm a two I own it and while everyone else around me was like total denial over their type <laughs> like everyone around me was like I'm not a five I'm not a four like what any I mean most threes know their threes and they own their threes so most of the threes in my life are like yeah I'm a three <laughs> um but I didn't really start to get to that stage of denial until I started really diving into it a little bit more and uh, denial was never the thing um for me, it was frustration, feeling a little naked. Discomfort. Yeah. Total 100% discomfort of just like, no. I think naked is the perfect way to describe it once you get yeah. into that. Yeah. You just feel 100% just like, nah. Like, <laughs> it just, oh, man. And it just kind of rocks your world a little bit. And, but, and I, and it's funny, like my, my husband really is no interest in getting into the Enneagram type. He's a five. And he's because he's he doesn't see how it's going to help him. Mm. And so I want to say, truth be told, learning about my time being a two and learning about all the pitfalls, the roadblocks, the things that I I will come across or have come across or could come across has been really important for me and being able to achieve the things I want to achieve in my life. And I think that's important to note that knowing your type allows you to zero in on your characteristics so finally that you can you can say I can see this coming like a mile away I'm not gonna do that like or I'm gonna choose not to go there and that has already been great and also it's helped me realize what relationships are good for me and what relationships are probably not great for me because Mm. of some of the health levels people are in their types yeah and it and it doesn't make me angry at them it just makes me go I just there just needs to be a little more growth or time there before I feel like I can health be a healthy person in your life and vice versa. Like I I view learning about these types in such a wonderful way. But my type is a two, and I am rooted in the heart center. So you heard us talk about that in part one. Um, that means that I I go forward with my heart. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel the most. I I'm rooted in my feelings, and it doesn't mean that I'm. It doesn't mean that I'm sensitive. It doesn't mean that I'm not powerful. It doesn't mean I'm not strong. It just means that I am the most centered when I lead with my feelings. Mm. And I think that's important to to note that not everybody has to be feelings. Like not everybody has to be logic. Not like I used to get really I used to really beat myself up for not being more logically centered because everyone in my life when I was growing up that I was friends with were super smart and they mm. were very like well it makes more logical sense so why did why didn't you do xyz and i it just i really beat myself up for not being like that because i led so much with my heart Mm. with my feelings um but there were also very naturally nurturing nurturing and the twos tend to embrace the good and everything that they see which has absolutely been true i'm i've always been really positive by nature uh, to much people's annoyance (laughs) and i've always owned that characteristic like I, why is a positive person in your life a bad thing like I oh am it's good a good thing you. it's Stop a great it. thing <laughs> I think I think also one of the things I love about having 
twos in my corner is that they really help me and they help all of us see the good in ourselves and help bring it out. Good. Right? <laughs> it's good. It's good. You bring all the good out of me, girl. Good. Um, yeah. Twos are also really empathetic, which if you're as for me as an eight, if I don't trust you, then that makes me really uncomfortable <laughs> because my first thought is what do you mm-hmm. want from me? That's Ooh, my first thought when someone offers me empathy or help. I'm like, you, like I'm going to have to return this in some way. Oh, and it's that lack of, it's the lack of trust for me, which we'll get into when we talk about the eight. Yeah. But. And I've always been that person <clears throat> that just knows things about people. Like mm-hmm. when Ian Croft talks about that in the road back to you, I was like, that's always been me. And it's, it's even made me uncomfortable. You're very like, intuitive. Like, the, yeah, like it's always been like that for me. I don't know if it's that I've read social cues or facial cues or <laughs> all of the above. I was, oh man. What was well, that? Twos what, are really. That show? What's Lie that? to me? Do you remember that show, Lie to Me, where he would read your facial, facial cues? No, I'm not fascinated familiar. by the show. Oh man, there's this whole science behind reading facial cues. And I thought for sure, I'm like, maybe that's what I do intuitively. Cause there's a lot of people that naturally can just read facial cues. I mean, the Well, you're also things. kind of deaf in one ear. So. <laughs> True. But that, that didn't happen until I was like 18. Adds to the reading of facial cues. That's totally true. true. So, but, but we're also very emotionally intelligent mm-hmm. and helpful, dependable, supportive uh one of my favorite things is that we're sometimes mistaken as passive but nothing passive about their strength which is true I used to view some of my characteristics as weak Mm. and it bothered me I don't know if it's because that's like the wing the three wing in me yeah or um I always felt like I needed to be emotionally stronger than I naturally was growing up Mm. because I was such a feeler but you are strong but I and you strong. have really balanced feelings. All of your That's feelings true. are pretty dang rational. At least, at least you particularly as a two, <laughs> which is probably well, why I gravitate <laughs> toward you so much. <laughs> probably um, <laughs> one of the really so uh, the song lyrics from the Enneagram Two from Sleeping at Last that I really love for a two. It says like a force to be reckoned with, a mighty ocean or a gentle kiss. And I, I love that because it just speaks to the a for, the force of a two. And in the Sleeping at Last podcast episode for the twos, they really talked about how how twos are often seen as passive, but really they're incredibly strong and they really are a force. And one of the, the like personal development things that is, I think, really interesting and they just, when, when they're really rooted in in who they are and they're working on themselves personally they can move freaking mountains but if you have an empty if you have an empty tank you're not going to be living up to who you can and and have the potential to be and I just thought that was so impactful all of the twos in my life the ones who are doing like the really deep interpersonal work like you are in a place where you're pivoting yourself to become an incredible mentor, leader, thought leader, you know, just because someone's a two doesn't mean they automatically end up being like a housewife or, and there's Mm -hmm. nothing bad about that, but that's just a really common um, place that we see or think of twos as being Mm -hmm. the caregiver in the home. 
and that's mm-hmm. just that's like just being a mom people <laughs> it's just characteristics yeah. of being a mom i would have loved to have been a two definitely not a two <laughs> definitely not a two <laughs> well i i have to read my favorite passage i think this is something i have to i have to do because there's so many amazing things in this and it really is it's a poem that he turned into this beautiful mm-hmm. song and all the intention behind the instruments he chose and like Oh, just so much of it's so good. But it's actually the opening passage to the song. And he says, sweetheart, you look a little tired. When did you last eat? Come in and make yourself right at home. Stay as long as you need. Tell me, is something wrong? If something's wrong, you can count on me. You know, I'll take my heart clean apart if it helps yours beat. Oh, oh. And when he sang that the first time, I was cleaning my room. I, I, when I was listening to it and I stopped because as soon as he sang, sweetheart, you look a little tired. I was like, I, I find myself doing that all day long. Like I'm always, and without even thinking about it, I'm constantly scanning and thinking and reading what's going on around me. And it's been a very conscious effort to, do that with myself Mm. like what if I said those phrases to myself you know you look a little tired when did you last eat and and to be honest it's been wonderful to have somebody like you like an eight in my life because you're like did you eat why did go eat like (laughs) she boxed me earlier and it was like hey either we start recording on time or I eat and I was like you you need to eat (laughs) she's like let's just record a little later there's no question you need to eat before we start recording whereas in the past i've had people in my life that they're just like can you just eat while we record like you know what i mean like and having people in my life that understand these things about me has been really important and i mean the process of learning to take care of myself and my workouts Mm. has been really important and making the space to make that happen i'm and then telling everyone that I love in my life, this is what I'm doing. And then having them like hold me up and support me and being like, you need to go take care of yourself first. I mean, there's been times where a kid has gotten sick and it's my very, very favorite dance class day. And my my mom has literally cleared her calendar to be like, I know how much this class means to you. Aww. You need to go. And I was just like, I guess just thank you so much mom whereas in the past i wouldn't i would never i would never have asked she wouldn't have known how important it was to me like i just i being on that journey of like being that first passage to myself Mm. first has been pivotal to the strength that i can bring to people later (laughs) i think the most interesting thing i've learned about a two i think was probably the most unnerving thing to you (laughs) as a two hundred percent but it's just the idea like we think we think of twos as like really empathetic and sincere obviously really warm-hearted really friendly and generous and obviously self-sacrificing that is like the quintessential two is the self-sacrificing um but they can also be kind of people-pleasing and really well-meaning but and driven to be really close to others but they can also slip into doing things for other people in order to be needed and that was the the big thing right the motivation behind the giving and so I have a tough question for you I want to know like childhood (laughs) wound childhood wound Uh of a two is usually um comes from feeling like you had to give love in order to receive it 
from mm-hmm. my my studies, my understanding. So, like, how did that manifest for you? What happened in your childhood that made that you? Oh, gosh. Um, my relationship with my older brother. Because um, my parents have always been so so loving and so giving i've had a very blessed childhood i've been very fortunate well, to have it's all parents. about perception though so even yes. if that wasn't there it was you perceiving that you had to give love in order to get it or well, give my help my, yeah and my well a couple things happened actually when i was in um when i was young i was about three uh, my mom started getting really sick all the time and it was this really long sinus infections and like bedridden and I don't remember them mm. but I do remember kind of the pivotal moment when I was five I just turned five um, she had a really dangerous very painful surgery on her sinuses and I remember her she had black eyes like all the way like past her cheekbones like I mean it looked like somebody had painted her face, but it was bruises. Like it was, it was bad. And I remember that's like, I have very few, very few memories of my childhood under the age of seven. For some reason, I just don't remember a lot of stuff. I remember like my house and I remember some of my neighbors and I remember some of the things, but I don't have a lot of detailed stuff, but I remember, I remember that. And, um, I think because of that and then couple that with about the same time, um, and during that time, my older brother and I, he was my best friend. He was like, we're two, two years and five days apart in age. Like we're pretty close in age enough that he was like my very best friend. And for some reason, um, through some of the like emotional trauma he'd been through when he entered school at like kindergarten and m- mostly first grade, um, he literally just decided he wanted nothing to do with me. Like it was just a like you get away from me like like 180 mm. switch and i i don't remember the exact moment when i was hurt by it but it was kind of a slow burn hurt hurt for a really long time <laughs> and i was i remember being about you know like 5 6 7 and just wanting him to love me so much like wanting him wanting that relationship back so much that I was kind of willing to do anything I was I just wanted him to love me the way that we had been and being able to never really reconcile that until we were like in our 20s I think really put me in this place of like I am not going to give someone a reason not to love me oh that's so hard like I've had to think about this really hard because yeah. I've had a beautiful life. I, I cannot complain. Mm-hmm. It's hard but to I, talk about the childhood wound if you feel like you've had a great childhood. Yeah. And it's also hard to think about as a parent because we're all going to give yes. this to our, like, our kids are going to end up being an Enneagram type that have a childhood wound. You can also just call it a childhood experience too. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. But I think so much of it is perception. 100%. Like, I've had this conversation with my mom um, many times because, you know, I'm really close to my mom as an adult. 
And I was like, I don't want you to, I don't, I don't ever want her to feel like she could have done something differently or she could have, cause it was just, a, it was a, a product of development that happened between my brother and I, it wasn't, she couldn't have forced anything to be different, you know? And so we, I've had to be like, you know, how was this perspective as in the adult, like watching this happen? And she was like, oh, it was a hundred percent heartbreaking. I mean, like, this is kind of funny, but kind of sad all at the same time. When I was four, my brother had just started kinder or started first grade and I had gotten dressed. My mom would let me play dress up in her clothes and I was playing dress up and I used to like put on like all of her clothes, like, <laughs> and I come crying into my mom's room and she was like, what's the matter? And I was just like, Steve, not care if I pretty or not. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh. And my mom was just like, she's like, at that moment, I was just like, I, she's like, I just wanted to throw my hands in the air because she couldn't force anything. She couldn't mm. change that relationship. And, and it just got worse as we got older. Like we did not get along at all. Like That's not so surprised. Like just thinking about you not getting along with anybody sounds so crazy <laughs> to me. <laughs> well, it wasn't for any reason that I was giving him. It was like, yeah, he just, I, he just wanted nothing to do with me. Mm. And we, we've talked about it now in our adult years, and um, it, it's just one of those like, he had his own trauma that he was working on, that he was dealing with, and I just got caught up in it. Well, and that's it. Like everyone does, including yes. our parents during this time too, mm-hmm. right? So there's a lot yes. of man, I've had to like muster up a lot of forgiveness for my parents through this process. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And they don't listen to the, I mean, my mom doesn't listen to the podcast. My dad has passed, but um, so we can get, we can get real, real with that. <laughs> <laughs> get real, real. Uh, I know. I want to, I want to hear more about like your, your eight song and that moment for you. And you're the one that introduced this to me. So like, I want to know, I, I want to know what you, where, where, where is your head and heart and gut? Where are all these uh, things? They're all like mashed on the floor. That's where they are. <laughs> um, I, so I wish you guys could have been along for the ride when I found this project. And um, thank you so much to my friend, Chelsea, who introduced it to me. I was absolutely floored. So he's been releasing a song for each Enneagram type over the course of the last essentially year and a half. It was like October of 2017 that he wrote and uh, released the one song. And he's just following his creative juices through that process. And so there's no timeline as to when anything is going to come out. He's just putting it out when it's ready. And usually you see within the Enneagram, and I don't exactly know why I think it has to do with the structure of the Enneagram, but when you listen to a book on the Enneagram, you'll hear about type eight first, and then you'll hear about nine, and then it'll go into one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, or five, six, seven. (laughs) And that was so, it was, I was so glad that I didn't find out about this project until the eighth song had been released because I am the most impatient person (laughs) ever. And throughout the, you know, the song was really incredible and I'll, I'll jump into some of the lyrics and the things and kind of break them down. But, um, he does that in the episode. So you don't really need that for me, but, uh, the episode is what really rocked my world is hearing the conversation between Chris and Ryan about the Enneagram eight type and the childhood wound specifically, because a lot of the discussion around the childhood wound for an eight, which is, 
um, essentially feeling like something happened in their childhood that made you had to grow up very quickly. Mm-hmm. And, and then uh, pushing back against the nurturing caregiver who tried to like make that right. Oh, and I had a, I had a, a huge amount of trouble like deciphering if it was a process or a moment for me, but a lot of eights talk about it as a moment. And then I heard this song and I imagined the moment exactly in its entirety. And I was just wow. absolutely like completely broken by it. And I'll have, you know, everybody, this is really hard for me because eights hate vulnerability. <laughs> But one She's of the coming at you hot, <laughs> right? Coming at you hot. One of the most poignant things for me, and it scares the crap out of me to say this out loud to you all, but it, is that essentially they said that eights, when they think they're being vulnerable, they're actually just being transparent, and the transparency mm-hmm. is a protective mechanism to have to keep themselves from being vulnerable because they have the control and they get to choose the details that are shared and if you Mm. go out and share those details in a transparent way people assume you're being vulnerable but you're not actually sitting in your feelings like no one and I was like oh my god (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if I've ever been vulnerable in my life and Ah. I honestly it made me think of our first podcast episode like the, the get to know you stuff and I think so much of that for me uh was coming at this whole process with transparency, which I value transparency so much. Mm -hmm. Truth is really important to me. And that's definitely made clear in my, my type description. Um, but all of that to say, I wonder, I wonder if that was a, a, a protective mechanism for me to not get as vulnerable as I might need to throughout the podcast. So we're doing it now. We're getting, we're getting nitty gritty. There's never a late time. Right. And it's really interesting to listen to just the evolution of, of self that happens over time. And when part of it's recorded, that's really interesting by the way. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, Uh, you guys are all along for the ride too. Yep. You guys are all here for the ride. So, so eights are the characteristics are of an eight. When I first heard the type eight described, I was very put off by it. And I think a lot of people are one of the things mm-hmm. that they talk about in the sleeping at last podcast episode for the eight is just that, uh, often eights feel like they have to apologize for being eights. <laughs> and I, what really? Uh huh. No. And I definitely resonate never. with that. Well, because yeah, I would never ask you to like or make you feel that way but you're that's because you are who you are but but the truth is I mean so many people when I kind of take the admission of being the bossy person which I hate the term bossy it makes me so it's something that I've been slapped with my whole life and of course I'm over here being like well why don't you just speak up like if you want to do something different then just say it I'll go with what you want to do I don't care so the biggest self-realization for me and figuring out the eight type, which I was super in denial. I thought I, I, I didn't necessarily think I was a three. I just wanted to be a three. <laughs> um, Cause I'm like, oh, I'm an achiever. I achieve things like that's what I do. But eights also do that. And yeah. uh, it was understanding the motivations behind what I do. And one of the things that was the most poignant for me, and this was in the um, Don Richard Riso and Russ Hudson book, the understanding the Enneagram but they basically said like 
when an eight walks into the room, they know exactly where the power is in the room. And I was like, oh, yep. Mm-hmm. They, Ooh, they assess, that's interesting. They assess it. And then they either like, and the quintessential thing of an eight is like, lead me, follow me or get out of my way. And I'm right. I'm like, yep. Mm hmm. Yep. That feels real. Cause I can, I'm a coachable person. I'm happy to follow. I like following sometimes because it takes significantly less effort than being the leader in everything. But eights kind of just naturally gravitate toward being leaders, um, which you might think is like really empowering, but can be really effing exhausting sometimes. Yeah. Um, and feeling like you need to take control and eights kind of have this, uh, need for intensity in all things. And when Ryan wrote this song, he basically said, I wrote every piece of this song with the intention of the volume being turned all the way up. And so many things (laughs) made sense to me in that moment. I was just like, yep, I have blown out so many sets of speakers in so many cars. I cannot even tell you. I haven't even owned that many. I have blown out more sets of speakers than cars I've owned. We've had to replace. I mean, we haven't had to, but we've chose to replace speakers because music is really important to me and it always has been. But I like it loud. I like it loud. I like heavy beats. I love rap music, like really even raunchy rap music. Like I like it all. And (laughs) one of the things they talk about in the podcast is this affinity for cussing. And... (laughs) I was, I was like, yep, yep, yep. Um, But what they said was oftentimes eights will use profanity as a means of like checking you at the door and being like, Mm -hmm. am I going to be too much for you? If I am, let's just find out right now. So I'm going to drop an F-bomb. Yeah, because you're you're just like, I'm not messing around. It's either you either here or not or this or that. Uh Take me as I am sort of a thing. And I just, I kind of love that, (laughs) but I had never drawn to people like that. I had never thought about it that way. You know, I've, I've used profanity probably my whole adult and adolescent life. I definitely started cussing super young. Um, I also have just always hung out with people who did at kind of every stage in life. And also it's just so easy to pick up the mannerisms of other people. Um, the funny part was when I got into like nutrition and health and wellness, more cussing there than in the the restaurant industry. How hilarious is that? <laughs> that is funny. Oh, it's amazing. Well, it's, the, it's the real, real. You know, yeah. you're, you're talking about very real things, and it's but, like, but yeah. yeah. So my my love for for concerts made a lot more sense to me. Oh, really loud music, mm-hmm. dance, like all sorts of things made so much more sense to me. Um, but the truth is like we, as eights are constantly protecting their own vulnerability. Um, we definitely are not as tough as we come across. Um, but we're really intense. We're super driven. Um, and we have a really naturally initiating drive. So eights tend to start things and like put them in motion. Um, and they hate to be slowed down or interrupted. Oh my gosh. Get out of my way. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) and they also build trust through fighting and conflict and I thought that was so interesting because I don't think of myself as someone who seeks out conflict but one thing that they talk about a lot within all of these different resources with the eight is that you you have this experience where you are 
you're, you're testing people through conflict to see how they respond just in the same way as the profanity, but also you are essentially like laying the ground for seeing if you can trust that person by how they Mm. respond to conflict and how much will you put up with with everything Mm. and I just thought that was so interesting I've done that to my husband I've done that to my parents like it it's really super real you Um, haven't done that to me just so you know yeah I see you girl you caught me at a good time (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you got me at a good time me, yeah, um, same. but the question that eights always have to ask themselves is is what part of their childhood was accelerated or lost and this is something i want to i want to hear your story because you haven't you haven't actually told me your story uh, yeah your, your, your childhood <laughs> it's good, experience it's gut-wrenching i mean i talked a little a tiny tiny bit about it in my um in my my get to know you episode which we'll link to it's super long if you guys want to listen to it great if not that's also cool it's a good listen but one of the like the first lyrics in the eight song are i remember the minute it was like a switch was flipped i was just a kid who grew up strong enough to pick this armor up and suddenly it fit and then it goes into talking about essentially how um it was a very long time ago and there's this association with being childlike and small and weak and naive and actually putting like negative connotation to that. But like the growth that has to happen for an eight is really embracing their childhood and childlikeness. And one of the things in you guys, if you follow me on Instagram, you've seen me talk about this is I, I kind of jokingly, but in all seriousness, I'm really bad at having fun. I have fun. I enjoy my life. I enjoy my work. I enjoy my friendships. Uh, But I have trouble getting out of my own head and like acting like a kid, being silly, Um, perceiving myself as imperfect. And and obviously I totally and 100% believe I'm completely imperfect. But there's this this air of um, invincible invincibility that eights tend to kind of take up. And the moments in which I allow myself to not feel that way or not be invincible are times when I'm like really trying to grow and admitting that weakness is really difficult for me. So this was the the part of the podcast that was that was really tough for me was to envision that like being blindsided. And I essentially when I was a kiddo, I like really normal lower middle class upbringing you know we always kind of struggled to 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 make it but we always had what we needed and I my father was obese my whole life um but became increasingly obese right as I headed toward um middle school and then throughout middle school his health just continued to deteriorate Uh, and I shared a little bit about my dad's death in my in my episode but essentially my my dad the moment was the day my dad sat down I can remember I know the leather couch that he sat down on he started to take his shoes off after work and actually my mom was helping him take his shoes off because he was so heavy it was difficult for him to do that and he said today was like he's like yeah I'm done working and that was it he was done working and I mean backstory to that he was incredibly unhealthy I mean he probably should have been on disability um, you know, depending on how you feel about that, but essentially he was super depressed. He had, I mean, 
extremely, I mean, hundreds of pounds overweight and just was a broken human being. And he quit his job because he couldn't physically do it anymore. He worked in a a plastics plant um, and had worked there most of, I think, my life. Um, He worked in logging early on and he it was a very physical job and he was like the head foreman he had um good like medical benefits he had a company truck he had he was he had the stable job of my two parents and my mom just happened to have a job where she could have us with her so she worked in a daycare um this was before she had started um teaching preschool or she did a little bit later uh but my mom was my mom's so so intelligent And she's been held back so many times in her life. And it was very hard for me to see. Basically what happened was my dad decided he was done working and my mom started working three jobs to to take care of us. And that to me... So it led to a little bit of absence too. Oh, well, and to... It wasn't absence with my mom. She was super there for us. Like that wasn't it. It was seriously a huge betrayal for me for my dad to stop working. And I never thought of it as a betrayal before I listened to this podcast episode because that's talked about a lot with eights is like this moment of betrayal. And I I Mm. had never felt like he personally betrayed me, but he betrayed her in that moment. And eights are incredibly protective. Oh, well, that made me an eight. Like that moment made me an eight. (laughs) And you were just kind of like, what do you mean you're quitting? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, like, is that aren't you supposed to be a provider? Aren't you supposed to take care of us? Um, and he basically stripped my mom of her dreams in that moment where he said, I'm not working anymore. And from then on, I can't even tell you guys, it was a massive struggle. And I was probably, I think I was 14 when he quit because he was still working my freshman year of high school, but it was a little ways into my freshman year that he quit. And, you know, my mom is like a hit. Yeah, we will figure it out. She's literally, she might be a two wing three. <laughs> like She's the most supportive, <laughs> incredible. She will bootstrap it and you will be just fine. And that is exactly what she did. And she just went into, um, that's what I would do. She must be a two, three. She went into that mode and took great, excellent care of us and managed to still be there for us. She still helped us with our homework. I mean, like she is literally freaking superwoman. Amazing, amazing. You know, and my dad, obviously, like he had his own stuff, right? He had his own trauma. He had, he was severely abused as a child. He, um, a, he had a, an emotional relationship with food that basically took its toll on his body. You know, he had his own stuff and it's easy to see that as an adult. But as a kid, I was like, you literally just betrayed our family by choosing not to Mm -hmm. work. And Mm -hmm. from then on, I was like, you just showed me that I have to do everything myself. Because if I trust, if I trust someone to be like a co-provider, they could betray me just like you did my mom. So I was actually really protective of my mom. My dad was, he was really emotionally unhealthy. So he would, he would argue and yell and there was definitely some emotional abuse and my mom just put up with it. It was awful. And so much of that is, I mean, still hard to talk about to this day, but she's such a strong, incredible person. Um, But he, she had so many dreams of being a, like a, 
like a really incredible educator. She wanted to go back to school in early childhood education. She wanted to be able to get like the cushy teaching job with the benefits and everything at the main school instead of at a private co-op preschool where there's no no um, you know additional benefits or anything like that and she kept trying and he just kept taking it away from her and kept getting Mm. worse and worse and we didn't have health insurance and it was it was I mean when he passed they had tens of thousands of dollars in back medical bills that were never covered Um, and that had gone to collections I mean it was bad gosh so essentially um that created a a huge drive in me and you know I I don't know if it was that moment my mom had always been an incredible encourager she was always the person in my ear telling me I could do anything I could do anything I could be anything and that I could be more and I could get out of my little hometown she was my cheerleader And man, I abused the heck out of her in those later years. And one of the things that he talks about in the podcast is just this, the, the eight, once they've been betrayed, whether it was by the nurturing caregiver or the non-nurturing caregiver, which my dad was the non and my mom was the nurturing caregiver. Um, the softness that came from that nurturing caregiver was heavily rejected. And that was exactly it. My mom came in and she was like, everything's going to be fine. We got this. I love you. Your dad loves you. Um, you know, like we've, we're going to give you everything you need. And she worked so hard. Like if I wanted a $1,400 saxophone to play the saxophone in band, like she was there and she was doing it. And I had no perception of how bad things were financially. So obviously I would have not asked for that had I known, (laughs) but it was, it was, she was so stoic. Like everything is fine. Um, but she was still super emotionally available and there for me. And I rejected it hard. I literally ran the other way. I would tell her I hated her. I like, that's how I dealt with it was I was like, I can't trust anybody. I cannot trust anybody. Well, this passage, like I keep seeing it when, as you're telling the story and it says, I won't let you in. Mm -hmm. I swore never again. I can't afford. No, I refuse to be rejected. And then you were wrong. You were wrong. You were wrong. My healing needed more than time. Yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> like that just keeps like popping at me and like what with what you're saying and it's it's when and and I I always think that your relationship with your mom is so beautiful now. Like I it didn't is now. know. Yeah, I didn't know what your relationship was like when you were younger. Yeah. And it's like it wasn't it's amazing great. to see it wasn't the evolution. great till I was about 17. And I actually had a I mean this is like I mean we can get into like the testimony. <laughs> but um I essentially like <laughs> found Christ in that time in my life and, um, realized how I was behaving. Like, I mean, I really felt a pull from God to be like, Hey, you cannot act like this toward your mom. She is exhausted. She is tired. She doesn't deserve this from you. You ought to just go start doing some chores and take care of her instead. (laughs) And that's kind of what happened. Like I had a really big shift in my heart and it, I didn't heal from all the crap that happened with my dad and, um, and any of that. But I just had a moment where I was like, I, I need to like, I finally had eyes to see what she was doing for us. And I, and it completely flipped, but that also made me more bitter toward my dad. Cause I was like, mm-hmm. you're literally sitting there doing, I mean, my mom did everything, everything. I mean, she's gotta be a two. Every, everything in the home. She helped us with schoolwork. She was, I mean, so incredibly smart. Like she was able to even help me through like a lot of advanced math and things like that. 
Um, and, um, she was, she was both parents to us, even though my dad was there the whole time, but he wasn't himself. There just, there became a point at which he was no longer able to be himself. Um, and you know, a lot of understanding like the brain chemistry behind diabetes and, and, um, you know, all that whole process and food addiction and emotional eating and understanding those things through my professional life has actually helped me let go a lot of a lot of that too. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I, that, that was the moment, that was the moment. Um, that's amazing. That's such a specific moment. Oh, it was, I was like, oh, okay. Yep. I have one. Yep. I felt betrayed. (laughs) Um, but when it like through the progression of that song, he talks about how when eights see fragile and broken things that it feels familiar and they don't allow others to walk on those people who are in either a place of weakness or who are who are just kind of inherently weak in position themselves so I have a like one of the I think it's again it's really hard to walk through your type and be able to to see the beautiful positive things about yourself in the way that you are um mm-hmm. and all of that hurt and all of that hard stuff made me obviously a really a really strong person but it made me a huge huge like just driver and being a voice for the voiceless and mm-hmm. dude no one could be bullied in front of me in school oh hell no uh-uh i would call them out in God. front of everyone even if they were my friend I was like, you are, that is not okay. And so that was just something that I always had a really big heart for. And, uh, I mean, still to this day, like you, I I see something that, that seems helpless and I just, I have to, I have to fix. And it's not like I have to fix it. I just have to be there and I I, want I have to protect it. Yeah. It's so true. I have to protect Mm -hmm. it. And so Mm -hmm. they talk a lot about how having kids is really good for eights. (laughs) And, um, having, having pets is also really good for eights. I'm glad you have both. Right. I have a doggy and I have a, a, a son and it's so true. Like it really, there's, there's been nothing in my life that's been able to bring out the childlike part of me except for my dog and my kid. It's that's beautiful though. It that's, really is. It really is. Cause I mean, what better way to address your childlike insides that haven't been out for a really long time than and, and having one yeah yeah you know I think the the biggest part the whole song I mean honestly like I said I've, I've never felt more understood in my whole life so please go check out this project please share his work it's absolutely incredible um but the very end of the song and I, I'm like gonna really try super hard <laughs> not to cry i'll pick it up where you left off if you do i got you it says i'm standing guard i'm falling apart and all i want is to trust you show me how to lay my sword down for long enough to let you through here i am pry me open what do you want to know i'm just a kid who grew up scared enough to hold the door shut and bury my innocence but here's a map here's a shovel and here's my achilles heel that I listened to that part of the song and it's, it's toward the end. It's not the very, very end, but I listen to that part of the song every time. And I'm just like, 
that's me. The only time I've ever gotten close to other people and allowed them to come in were times where I was just like completely broken and I had to. All of my close friends became close friends in the time that I had, I needed support. I was a broken human being. I was going through a really difficult time in my life. You might be the only exception to that. I was that. just going to say, we're an interesting pairing here because I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't follow any of the usuals for the eights and their relationships, but maybe the, that's the The truth is like I, once I trust someone, like it's done. Like it's, you're in, you're in, you're in, you're in. And that's kind of how it is with eights. Like you're either in or you're not. And if you're in with an eight, like that's a gift. I'm just not because eights yeah. are so amazing, but because they don't let anybody in. Yeah, no, they're um, protective of their own, or what they view as their own, you know, their their inner circle. Yeah, and they just, at the end of the song just kind of talks about, like, how just being, getting to a place where you can be strong enough to let others in, and it's it's so, like, quintessential of an eight to talk about letting someone in as a point of strength rather than having to let your guard down for weakness, like it's part of vulnerability is part of being strong. Being vulnerable is part of standing in your power. And I think that's true regardless of who you are. And the moments where I've had to step out in vulnerability have been some of the most poignant moments in my life to become a more powerful um, and purposeful version of myself. It's so crazy. So anyways. There's, there's something about the intention and the purpose filled part of each type that is really, I think, where the power lies in each type. It's if you mm-hmm. if you can view the worst parts about yourself, of what could be yourself, mm, yeah, and still be able to stand strong with knowing who you are and what you're capable of and what you can and can't handle then I think that that is where the strength comes from, from each type. And mm. that's kind of my answer to like, why, why do I care? Like, why do I care about my Enneagram type? Is because if you want to accomplish things, if you've got things you want to do, if you've got goals, if you've got dreams, and I hope every human being on this planet does. Oh my gosh, yes. Y- you need to know yourself. And that's the beauty behind the Enneagram is you can't hide. <laughs> you can't. No, you cannot. <laughs> and there is strength. I tried, you guys. I tried. I tried. Yeah. I tried <laughs> hey, to, me too. I tried to hide <laughs> real hard, but I'm just in a place where I just I want to be the best version of myself. And mm-hmm. you know, digging into this work has been one of the the most interesting paths to toward that. And I don't think I'll ever be there, right? I always want to be a better version of myself. There's always improvement to make. There's always growth to be had. Um, but figuring this stuff out has been really impactful for me. And I know a lot of this conversation between Genevieve and I is like Genevieve's a two and I'm an eight. Like we cover two points of the nine points of the Enneagram. <laughs> so um, what I hope you take away from this is just that to dig deeper into this. I think it's, I think we think of it as like another personality typing thing. And I don't know about you guys, but when I found out I was an ENFJ or whatever, uh, you know, I was an obliger, like that information was helpful, but it wasn't like this gut wrenching thing that required me to look at my childhood and see why I am the way I am. And then how to come back to who I truly am. Like that was like, it's just been mind blowing and there's no other personality typing thing that I've personally done out there 
that made me dig this deeply into things that like I'm gonna go to therapy for like that's the real mm-hmm. real I'm gonna go some therapy for that mm-hmm. <laughs> um but just bringing those things up and I think you know it's easy to to understand and figure out why you are the way you are and then justify the way you are rather than be like okay well now I'm gonna fight through those things that aren't my strengths vulnerability is not something that comes easily to me um but I really value it in other people and I really like want to I want that to be a part of me um Mm -hmm. I need to in order to have more meaningful relationships and I've I've always been the person that had very few close friends very few that I actually I've always li- been friends with everyone that I actually like close to anyone. Yeah. 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 And for, for me with the type two, the, the hardest part is taking criticism, which mm. is probably the hardest part about being a two. Like we were discussing this right before we started recording that everything we've ever read on twos or heard about on twos is that they take everything the hardest. They take the, the, the stuff that everybody learns in their types and they're the most devastated by yeah. their type. Yeah. And, um, I, didn't understand that until I started really diving into it. It was actually in the um, Road Back to You book with Ian Croft, Cron, Cron, that I was, <laughs> it, it was true. It did. It just totally devastated me listening to it. And I didn't think that I was going to feel that way about my type, but being able to take criticism is something I've always wanted to do because that's when you grow. Mm-hmm. And I know that logically I understand that, but it doesn't mean it feels good. Yeah. And just knowing that about my type has allowed me to feel that and sit in it and be okay with being hurt mm. and being like, that sucked. Yeah, I would say. And then say, being like, but now I know. <laughs> I would say if you're in a, a place of of growth and, and kind of just self-doubt, I would jump into the sacred Enneagram first because I think it. it Road back sh- to you is hard. Road back to Ooh. you is hard. It's Ooh. good. Everything is, it's all good. All of it is so good. Yes. Um, but the sacred Enneagram really talks about the gifts of your type and what you bring to the table. And I think coming at it from that place, if you're already in a difficult place emotionally, is really helpful. So I'm going to make Genevieve read that because she hasn't read it yet. <laughs> yeah, I was like, that sounds nice right yeah, about now. <laughs> yeah, and I, I think I think that's kind of the beauty of the of the Atlas Project from Sleeping at Last in that song. Um, I didn't expect to talk for 45 minutes about uh, music, <laughs> and maybe we'll do this more in the future. Um, but I'll, I'll make sure to share the, the playlist with you guys. It's just, it's not something I expected to have such a huge impact. And everyone that I've talked to that has like taken a deep dive into this project has been absolutely just shook by it. So I've wanted to talk about it with everyone I know. So I figured we better just talk about it on the podcast. Let's just record it. Let's do this. Well, and like, thank you so much, Genevieve, for just giving me a safe space. You guys, the podcast is a safe space for me, I hope, I think, um, to kind oh, of yes. share a little bit more in depth into this stuff. And I'll make sure to check in with you guys about it. But um, you best believe we're going to be talking about the Enneagram pretty heavy in the next couple of years, probably on the podcast. Oh, yeah. Um, this is not going away. No, this is not no, gonna no. be fleeting. What are so, Jen? What are your favorite Enneagram resources? 
we kind of we talked about mine and I'm guessing there's a lot of overlap there because we've kind of discovered yeah. some of this stuff together which has been really fun yes uh truth be told typology podcast was has been really great for me because Ian Cron does a lot of roundtables mm-hmm. where he brings in like four to six people of that type and they roundtable have a discussion about being that number and I think that's so interesting and powerful to be able to hear that and I I think it's a really real human humanized way to hear it instead of being able to I mean again my I am a feeling wing (laughs) so it just it helps me feel it better because I feel like I'm Mm. connecting to those types so I love the typology podcast um I really love Enneagram and coffee (laughs) that's like a fun play on everything I think so so much and like this comes from right the serious intense person on this side of things (laughs) (laughs) if you listen if you don't like intense and serious people I'm not for you like doesn't doesn't mean <laughs> I can't why, be fun, but no, but we are one a of, great balance. I love I it's amazing. I mean, we've talked about Enneagram and Coffee on the podcast before, but the the growth that happened when she started to put out this stuff just sh- like really showed that I mean, her followers went from like zero to hundred and forty thousand in like a few days. It was insane. Four days. It's it's like what two hundred and fifty thousand now. And I, I can't I can't even I don't even know. I haven't looked at it recently, but there's so much like lightness that comes with what she shares. Yeah. It's so fun. It's like jobs that are great for your type or like mantra for an eight today or, you know, whatever it is. And she releases yes. things in different orders. So it's not always like the, like the sevens waiting for, to get their stuff last or whatever, or vice yes. versa. And so, uh, yeah, her stuff is really fun. It's just any and coffee on Instagram. We'll link in the show notes for you guys. And I I think I really appreciate somebody that can take something that is probably pretty serious for most as you start to dive into it because it's very personal and it's very deep and it can be very um, eye opening. (laughs) So it was nice for me to be able to have an outlet that was just kind of like she'll go into TVs, TV shows and um, type that character. And she'll type the characters and they, and it's funny. Sometimes it's really funny. And she's like, I'm sorry if this is like hurtful to you, you're in the wrong place. This is supposed to be fun. Yeah. You know, people get really like, oh, no way that person wasn't an eight. So uh, (laughs) total serious confession right here. Um, Gossip Girl is like total pleasure show for me. I don't, I'm not going to say guilty pleasure because I don't feel any guilt about it. Um, Totally. (laughs) It's, it's like the. And it's because, yeah, listen, it's because of all the power. It's like throwing power back. It's so (laughs) interesting to me. Super interesting. That's so funny. Uh, But but in her memes, she say, she says that Chuck and Blair are both eights and they're both obviously unhealthy eights. And I was like, (laughs) oh my God, that's what I would be like if I was unhealthy. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, no, no. Uh Uh-uh. Yeah. And I I know. And I just, there's so many different accounts on Instagram that are like that. Yeah. That. I think I really enjoy connecting with, um, there's another one called social Enneagram. Yeah. That I really yeah. appreciate. So those are my favorite resources. I love, the, I love the books that are out there and the major resources that are out there. I love hearing podcasts on them, but those are the ones that I, um, actively like engage with and am constantly like, I listen to the typology every time it releases. Like I, you know, so it's, those are my favorites. Yeah. I've got, I started listening to a few that are a little bit deeper into, um, leadership. So, uh, Beatrice Chestnut, I'm just starting to read some of her work. She's got a couple of books. One's called the complete Enneagram 27 paths to what is this called? I don't know. I can't look at the full title in my audible. 
<laughs> but I'll, I'll the complete Enneagram. Um, and then uh, there's one on the nine types of leadership. And I, I think that's really cool. I'm excited to learn more about that, especially with my work with Beauty Counter, because the interesting piece is that every single type is attracted to any given job. It's not, you know, it's not like, oh, you're an engineer, so you're automatically a five. It's like, yeah, that might be more common, but you never know. Uh, so it's really interesting to see everybody has the ability to be a leader and everyone has the ability to kind of like stand in, um, as a, as a leader in their field or stand in their purpose or be a force to be reckoned with. Like that's kind of the thing. Like you figure out who you are and you be a force in whatever way you're supposed to be a force. Right. And so so I'm excited to jump into that. Her work is really interesting. She also dives into, she's been on the typology podcast a couple of times. And one of the things that she talks about a lot in her work is the difference between a self-preservation social and sexual is what they say. It doesn't mean sexual. It means like one-on-one personal, I guess. Yeah. Like attraction or. Yeah. Um, but those are like subtypes to each type as well. So there's like your wing and then there's what you gravitate toward in terms of like in times of growth and then in times of stress, which by the way, I gravitate toward Genevieve in times of growth. So that's good. (laughs) Maybe that's why we connected when we did. You take the positive parts of like, yeah, I think we're, I think we both, you know, obviously we resonate in a lot of areas as far as like lifestyle and stuff like that, but it's, we'll, we'll have to figure, we'll, we'll have another deep dive into why Genevieve and Cassie became fast friends. (laughs) (laughs) The Uh, best. Right. The best. But, uh, but yeah, I leave you with some funny parting words. Yeah, please. (laughs) So I had to get on social Enneagram when I first talked about it because I haven't looked at the profile in like a little while. And they just released a series on songs that meet, that are your type, like your number. Oh, did you see it? No. What's the eight? Oh my gosh. Okay. Do you want me to start with eight? Do you want me to start with two? Because twos is pretty like, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, do it. Just start. Twos is Marvin Gaye, Ain't No Mountain High Enough. Yes. (laughs) And I was like, okay, I can jam to that song yours is hilarious what is it it's guns and roses welcome to the jungle no <laughs> that's so not me that's like that might be a generational thing though too i'm just like no no the best part is they put quotes in there and it's okay so mine is you know marvin gay ain't no mountain high enough and it's because baby there ain't no mountain high enough ain't no valley low enough ain't no river wide enough to keep me from getting to you babe and your quote is jungle Welcome to the jungle. Watch it bring you to your shun knees. Uh, I want to watch you bleed. <laughs> That's oh, terrible. No. I just died. Oh my gosh. I'm going to insert my song as the sleeping at last uh, Enneagram 8 song. <laughs> at, oh my gosh. Yeah, because I mean, I don't think this is supposed to speak to like your soul. I think it's no, more it's it's like a, funny. A, it's funny. Yeah, there's I a mean, lot. There's a lot within that Enneagram and coffee stuff that like you know, you, you could see or you could relate to, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's mm-hmm. like, it's like, Hey, welcome to this in really intense party. Yes. <laughs> Here's yes, an eight. I think welcome yes. to the super intense party. Yes. Oh, uh, okay. That's why I had to say that. I was oh. like, I have to party with why I like the, like the fun light. Hair band music is literally the thing I dislike the most in music. <laughs> it's a, it's like, and that's what I it might to. be second to country music. <laughs> Sorry, I'm, we're probably going to lose a lot of listeners because of that. Oh, Guys, so if you love country, more power to you. 
I, am, I, I like country in the summertime. I'm very like seasonal with my stuff, but then I lift to like hair bands and like rock and roll. I've never understood how people can lift to hair bands and rock and roll. I, I, I have to. No, dude, it's gotta be straight up gangster rap. Like, it's, dude, when I put on gangster rap, all I want to do is dance, and then I can't lift. I mean, that's fair. I, yeah, I could feel that. <laughs> so, I mean, I would be totally lying to you if I didn't tell you that I kind of like, like, I'll do a little dance in between reps and sets and things like that uh, yeah like if there's like if there's a 30 second rest i'm like i'm doing some dance in there <laughs> see and i do that so much that i don't actually get my stuff done so <laughs> i have to like do stuff that like makes me feel like Zena oh princess, all so. right everybody let's wrap this thing up um <laughs> <laughs> thanks for joining us through all of this part oh. one part two so good our out loud processing <laughs> Thanks for joining us today on this episode of Rebel Heart Radio. You can visit our website to submit a question at www.rebelheartradio.com. Or you can hop on our Instagram. You can ask us anything. We love to get to know you guys. Don't forget to subscribe and give us a review on iTunes. And we'll catch you guys on the next episode.